0: Welcome to the No Backing Down Podcast. Your host, Sean Stilato, brings you amazing guests with incredible stories of triumph and success. Prepare to be inspired. I'm super excited for our next guest. You know, hockey, I'll tell you, I always had a big admiration for hockey, especially playing arena football. Those guys are, uh, they're probably just as tough, maybe even tougher than football players. Uh, now, there are all this, the parity of professional sports and whoever puts on a, a helmet or, uh, you know, hits around a hockey puck is much respect. But this gentleman right here, uh, 15 years in the pros. I mean, if you look at the metrics of a professional football player, the average is 3.3 years. So he went against the, against the puck, we should say, and had a great career. Um, that, again, how many kids play uh, a sport in New England and dream of playing for their professional franchise. Bob Sweeney did that, playing for the Boston Bruins for six years. The pride of acting Mass. Bob, welcome to the No Backing Down podcast.
1: Thanks, Sean. Good to be here. Good to be here.
0: It's good. It seems like yesterday I was admiring how you used to do those side lunges at <laughs> Nautilus Plus back in the late 90s. and uh, Yeah.
1: <laughs> those days are gone I don't know if I can do those I, I I know I can't do them anymore uh my knees aren't uh what they were that's obviously from the uh wear and tear over the years from playing hockey but no regrets from there you just have to alter your workouts a little bit
0: yeah you really do uh we're gonna jump right into to, to things and we'll get back into training and and what you did throughout your career uh but you know Bob tell us our listeners here you are one of seven children from Acton, went through Acton, Boxborough, great, great community out there. Then you go to Boston College and then you have an opportunity, you play for the Bruins. What was it like? Can you take us through when you knew you were going to be a Bruin and then skating on the ice in front of the Boston fans for the first time?
1: Well, I think I think as a kid, you know, growing up in the, uh, you know, mid-60s, early 70s, I mean, the Bruins were on, were on top, winning Stanley Cups, Everybody was, uh, you know, rinks were being built. Everybody was playing street hockey, and everybody wanted to be Bobby Orr or Phil Esposito or Jerry Chevers, and it was uh, a good time to, you know, try hockey. And, and my dad was a builder by trade, and we had a very busy household, five sisters, one other brother who played hockey, and all the girls figure skated. But one of the last things my dad did was he built Valley Sports and Concord two rinks and uh, started the acid valley minor hockey association along with a few other guys and that turned into the metro league which now has turned into the eastern hockey federation but um, it was uh, a good time to grow up we had some some uh, really good teams some great teammates Um, a lot of guys went on to play division one college my my uh, goaltender that not only in high school but uh, growing up was Tommy Barrasso, who went on to have a great career in the NHL as a goalie. And, um, you know, Acton-Boxborough was a great springboard, a huge hockey uh, program, great tradition. A lot of players went on to uh, play in the NHL and to, have to play in college. But it was a great springboard to to go to Boston College. But I guess my point in a long-winded way, when you're playing street hockey as a kid, you, you dreamed about you know, making the save if you were Jerry Cheevers or scoring the goal, if you were Bobby Orr or Phyllis Esposito. but you dream. And I tell kids all the time to dream about that because, you know, you never know what can happen. And, and you know, we were fortunate that uh, some of us in particular, you know, I think Bobby Carpenter was the first uh, local kid here that really uh, made it. And uh, that helped out a lot of the guys that were in high school because Bobby went from St. John's Prep right to Washington and, uh, you know, it really, I think, paved the way for a lot of us guys that were coming up afterwards. And,
0: and you know, that's a great uh, narration, uh, Bob. And when when you tell me this, you're playing at BC, you, you get, can you maybe take us through that process when you got the call, like, and you knew you were going to be a Bruin? Um, what, well, what, let me
1: back up, Sean. So we were talking off air here before we got started. And, when I was a senior in high school, I was 6'3", 180 pounds. Made, what, 10 pounds heavier than you are now. So I was drafted out of high school. No way was I ready to, to go to the NHL. So I went to Boston College, did all my four years. Probably I should have only done three. My last year was probably my worst. I was hurt a few times. And, um, but, you know, I got my diploma. I'm happy with that. Uh, no regrets as far as uh, staying and finishing my career had great four years there on and off the ice great teammates great friends and uh, a great uh, university Boston College was uh, and still is one of the premier universities in the country and uh, their hockey program is uh, second to none right now Jerry York's done a great job ever since he's taken over and uh, the future's bright there. But my point is, you know, not too many kids can go right into the NHL like Tommy Brasso or Bobby Carpenter. You need that seasoning physically and, and mentally because when you're playing in the NHL, you realize that you're playing against men uh, bigger, stronger, faster than you're probably used to playing in high school or college. So you need to, to hone your skills, so to speak. And uh, when you do get that chance, you got to make the most of it. And that, that chance for me came uh, January 24th uh, against the Calgary Frames, 1986. So it was something I'll never forget. And that's,
0: and then you have quite the year. Then the Patriots, if I recall, I was, I was a young one, man, but they played shortly after, right? Against the bears. And that that, and that-
1: was the Patriot, my senior year of college. They, that was, uh, the Patriots played the bears. Yeah. I'll never forget that. They, Kicked the field goal to start. We thought it was going to look good, but we all know what happened
0: after that. We know the outcome. (laughs) We do. Uh, I actually had to watch the game part of it in a, in a separate room. Cause I was a Walter Payton, Jim McMahon fan, um, uh, but I, I shortly that's changed through the two uh, thousands uh, when, when Mr. Yeah. Brady came to town, but I appreciate you, you know, obviously sharing the insight about development, Bob, cause yeah. I try to tell, you know, the, my clients, especially the kids that are making that transition from college into the NFL, cause it's not a true, you know, a tra- feeder system yeah. you have got in hockey And um, that's why the practice squad is so uh, imperative for a lot of guys to develop. Uh, Do they have a practice squad in the NHL for, 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 uh, for guys? No,
1: I mean, you know, football is obviously a little bit different. And most, uh, most players, you know, go the the four years or three years of uh, college football. So they're, they're coming in at 21, 22. Whereas in the NHL, there are some guys that, that play junior hockey and, you know, they're, you're only allowed to play in juniors till you're 20. So, you know, some of these kids are, are, are trying to make it the top end. Kids will play it right away. You know, the kid from the Rangers, Lafreniere, he'll step in and play for the Rangers this season. Uh, he's 18. Uh, that's few and far between. You know, usually some of these kids need seasoning. They go to the AHL, which for Boston is Providence. Uh, it's a great feeder system. Uh, and, you know, I think what, what's happening, I think, in, in pro hockey now, you'll see that a lot of the, the, the teams are taking their, their top picks. You know, Charlie McAvoy is a great example. He, he played two years at BU. He left right after the hockey season ended, went to Providence, played a handful of games. The Bruins were playing Ottawa in the first round, had three defensemen hurt the last week of the season. And guess what? Charlie McAvoy's playing in the playoffs against the Ottawa. And, you know, when he's 20 years old. So um, that, that happens because the teams do not want to lose their draft rights. Whereas as as in the NFL, you know, you get, you get drafted and you go to camp right away. Right. So a little different scenario. They hold your rights for four years in the NHL.
0: Excellent. Well, I appreciate uh, for our hockey, sometimes fans that don't know those logistics. Um, you know that being said, you obviously you go on and, and you get cranking with uh, the Bruins in 1988, 1990, two Stanley Cup appearances. How was that experience like? I, I know there was a blackout in between there as well. <laughs> Can you maybe take yeah. uh, for our younger listeners who might maybe haven't come out of the oven or, or need a little history lesson on the the family? yeah?
1: Well, I, I remember my my uh, first year. I was up and down. We we shared a team in in Moncton, New Brunswick. Calgary and um, you know it my last uh, uh, few games I played in in Boston and then we played the Canadians in the playoffs and in those days it was the best out of five and and we lost three straight but you kind of got a feeling of what it's like to to play in the playoffs at the NHL level and it was an eye-opening experience and then the next year was my first year and we had a good year, and that was the year we beat Montreal for the first time in 45 years in the playoffs, and it was it was almost like the Bruins won the Cup. The fans because we had never beaten Montreal in a playoff series, and to do it in Montreal was extra special, um, and things just started to roll for us. That was the second round, and then we beat New Jersey, and then we uh, played, you know, arguably one of the, the best teams ever assembled with Wayne Gretzky still uh, in his prime. And I think seven Hall of Famers with Messier, Anderson, Fuhrer, Coffey, Curry, you know, I don't know who I'm leaving out, but uh, Kevin Lowe, I mean, just amazing team. Um, And, you know, they rightfully so, they had more talent than us that first year in 88, but 90 was a different year. Um, We, we were at the, uh, I feel our peak, performance for that core group and the downfall i thought quite honestly was having so much time off before the finals we had eight days off we swept washington in the semis edmonton came off a six-game series in chicago and you know they gave i think they had three days off which is probably a a perfect amount of time in between a series and i think we all remember what happened in the first game in 90 triple overtime Peter klima scores after not playing I think in five periods sitting his ass on the bench <laughs> comes off and scores a goal in triple overtime and that really uh it was hard to recover and uh it was unfortunate because I thought that was our year to win
0: yeah and you know anytime and that's the unfortunate thing with sometimes in pro sports is great experience getting to that Super Bowl getting to the World Series getting to the Stanley Cup and, and not coming off victorious um, that, that doesn't leave the best feeling, but then again, you know, hockey teaches you, you know, you get knocked down, you get back up. And it's about resiliency, which you, you showed. Um, can you maybe take our listeners uh, through uh free agency, Bob? Cause obviously you, you are multiple teams. You had your longest stint uh, with the Bruins and then you went off to, um, uh, what the Sabres, the Islanders, uh, Calgary, and then, uh, over to Europe. But can you maybe take us, the listeners a little bit on the free agency component.
1: Well, I, I got put on waivers once, and I went I went to uh, Buffalo right after uh, training camp. Uh, I went from Boston to Buffalo, which was a weird scenario because in in those days, you know, it was the old Adams Division. You played each team eight times, plus you might play a couple more in preseason, then you could have a seven game series, which we did the year before with with Buffalo it was a back and forth series and a lot of hatred. So going from Boston and then going to, I met met them for the first game of the season in Hartford on a Saturday night. And it was weird going in that locker room, man, I'll tell you. Um, but, uh, you know, if you start, I, got, I scored two goals the first game. And I think uh, that kind of broke the ice and they said, all right, you know, we used to hate this guy, but he's not bad but anyways, you know, free, free agency is, is evolved over, over time now. I mean, a lot different when, when we were, uh, you couldn't be a free agent until you were, I think, uh, 31 officially when, when we started playing. Um, now it's just years of service. And obviously the, the money's a lot greater as we all know in, in all sports. Um, but I think, um, you know, it, it has come a long way. But as you said, I, I played for a few different teams. And, you know, some of them, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed my time there. and My son was born in Buffalo, which uh, the suburbs were, were great. The city downtown was not much maybe to be desired, but they've done a great job since.
0: I have seen, Bob, not to cut you off, there was a restaurant on Chippewa Street, which they had 24 hours. Tipper, (laughs) so there was some good things said about you when I was up there playing uh, Kanishius in Nigeria. uh, I had, excuse me, a basketball, so that brought a smile to my face when I saw
1: that. Yeah, exactly. No, so I mean, you know, for me, I, uh, I, I knew, you know, that I was basically done in the NHL, and I gave it one more try. I went to uh, camp actually. Uh, probably towards the end of camp with Pittsburgh. I was they were debating about signing me and, and quite honestly I panicked. I should have waited in hindsight. But ironically enough, uh I played two exhibition games and my first one was against the Bruins. And I remember Eddie Johnson was was the coach and he he's like, listen, he's like, we don't care if you score one goal here. He goes, we got Mario, we got Ronnie Francis. He goes, I, I want to rest these guys. I don't want them killing penalties as much and taking faceoffs. And it ended up being I scored a goal that game, but I think I lost the majority of my faceoffs and I was on for two goals shorthanded. So uh, that didn't work out. And I ended up playing a year in Quebec City before I went over to Germany for four years, which was a good experience. You know, I, my last two years was in Munich. We won a championship there. I always joke around with Ray Bork, I said, you know, we, we both won championships the same year, but he actually won the Stanley Cup and I won the Deutschland Cup. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that was good. I mean, obviously, you know, you – the other thing is a lot of our listeners, Bob, you know, and, and athletes, it's a transition for playing for new coaches, you know, that that, that chemistry camaraderie with, with new teammates, and then you go over to Europe with the language barrier. I mean, you really – you had to deal with a lot. What uh, uh you know, Freckenzie one of the. Deutsch. Oh man, I.
1: Bischen Deutsch.
0: Bischen Deutsch, no, die yeah. say?
1: <laughs> I could order a beer and maybe uh, a little bit uh, off the menu. But there was a few guys that picked it up pretty good. You know, yeah. Uh, a lot of tenses. It's a tough language to to learn, though.
0: Right, and and, and you know, obviously, learning at a at a young age, it, it goes. Uh, I think. Yeah. you it's the way to go um but you had obviously a great career uh you know and for, as we continue I want to give a shout out to my co-host ari and frank uh our sponsors legendary foods uh bob which i know you must have had with seven kids a lot of pop tarts in the cabinets uh, as a kid they make sure did. they make the uh, tarts p-
1: and instant breakfast baby Yep. Okay,
0: so legendary- our
1: nation man. instant breakfast.
0: Carnation, and we're, we're going to well, we're gonna make sure we take care of you with some legendary foods. They do a protein, vegan, kind of gluten-free uh, pop tart, and they do also nice. nuts and um, almonds and nut butters. So we're going to make sure we get you a, a care packages from our friends there. And um, with Visionary Dog Food, I don't know, do you have any dogs?
1: No, we used to. Unfortunately, we had to put her down in February. She was 17, so- she had a good run, but little Westy, good little dog.
0: Yeah, that is yeah. a good run. Well, we love our animals. Well, Vision, if you get a new one, we'll make sure we, uh, we, we take care of you there. Uh, Bob, obviously, you use the platform of hockey uh, and through sport to have just to do some amazing things. Um, you know, I know there was an occurrence that happened in your life that changed you tremendously um, on 9-11. Um, when your sister-in-law, Amy, was a stewardess for American Airlines, um, your, your only brother's wife, who uh, unfortunately left two, uh, your knee, uh, two children. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on Amy and her legacy and what you did with the Amy Sweeney Foundation? Uh, being in New York, I remember that day like yesterday, and uh, you know my heart hurt for a lot of those people. And um, it was refreshing to learn what you did Uh, can you maybe elaborate a little bit on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, obviously a horrific day. Um, I was actually in Ireland with my uh, brother-in-law on, uh, uh, his 50th birthday with a bunch of guys. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget, um, the tour guide when he, we were playing golf at Valley Bunyan and, um, he basically had told us that there had been a terrible accident back home. And as soon as he said, American airlines flight from Boston to LA, the hair on the back of my neck, I, I just knew that was her route. And, uh, it was, you know, one of the toughest phone calls I ever had to make to my brother. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough moment. And, you know, what we tried to do is we, we tried to make, uh, somewhat, uh, we, we, we really partnered with mass 911 to to help out them and help out all, a lot of spouses that did not have insurance after the first year when their spouses died. A lot of them were, uh, uh, lost their husbands, um, on the flights or in, in some of the buildings in New York. But, um, you know, was glad to, to help out and be in a position where I could help out my brother and and other families at mass. Um, and, you know, it's hard to believe, uh, you know, it's been 19 years. Um, so, um, you know, his, his, he's got a a daughter that just uh, got a master's from, from Northeastern and, uh, his son, they're, they're doing well, they're persevering. Um, and, uh, you know god bless them they're doing good good well
0: good great work on that and uh, uh any everyone affected by 911 will have a special uh, you know obviously part in a lot of people's lives and hearts and it's it's you hear the stories and who was connected and uh and i commend you for your your great work and you know obviously what you were able to do and continue with her legacy Um, Following 9-11 Bob you you obviously you got you were able to stay close to the Boston uh, Bruins organization Uh, 2007 became the director of the uh, Boston Bruins alumni found foundation can you maybe you know you've done remarkable work for people can you maybe touch on a little bit about what you guys the found foundation does and how that impacts you on on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, well, I started, uh, Johnny Busick, I I retired in in 01. And, you know, Johnny Busick stepped aside from the day to day operations from the alumni. So I ran that for seven years. And I I was actually looking for more. and, And my kids were young at the time they were, they were skating, they were, you know, I was in every rank, probably throughout New England. And the one thing I really I thought of as you know, the Bruins need to do more for, for youth hockey in the community. So I went to Charlie Jacobs and I told him, I, I, I said, you know, I have a passion for, for youth hockey. My kids are in it. I said, you know, how come you guys don't do more for youth hockey? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, they were coming off a lockout. Maybe there should be a youth hockey price for tickets. You know, maybe we should be doing more clinics in the community. He looked at me and he's like, you know what? You're right. He's like, why don't you do it? And then right before I started, um, he basically called me in and said, you know, we, uh, we, we have an opening in the foundation. We think with what you've done with your sister-in-law and the alumni, you'd be better off with the foundation. And, and basically for the first year I, I, I did both and passed off to youth hockey, but um, you know, I'm real proud of where the foundation was. It started in 03. Um, and when I came in and. 07. It was, uh, you know, we we basically were still doing the wife's carnival, which everybody uh, enjoyed, and we we really needed to do a few more things. And you know, the first year that we had the winter classic, um, I helped organize the the alumni charity <laughs> game that you know raised over six hundred thousand, and we got to play in front of thirty three thousand fans. It was just great great uh, way to, to, to raise funds and uh, very enjoyable experience but as you know you you evolve you know we left the wife's carnival behind so to speak and and look for other ways to to generate uh, income and and now we do so much you know fast forward to with first responders and we we've done a first responder challenge the last three years at the garden where last year we we uh, netted over 600,000 for numerous different charities whether it's uh, Cops for Kids in, in in Boston the 100 Club a um, lot of different firefighter organizations and you know we're happy to do that with National Grid and Under Armour as our main sponsors but it's been a good run um, obviously now you know you look at the COVID situation and you know look what we're doing right now we're on a, a, a Zoom call and that's you know, what thing, things are going virtual, you know, you're trying to think of different ways how you can still generate funds and and that's what you have to do. And that's what we're doing right now. We're looking to do a, a big holiday auction coming up soon with uh, numerous Bruins artifacts, as long as Patriots and Celtics, um, Red Sox. So, you know, we're going to, that's going to kick off in another week. Um, and then you know we're probably going to do things virtual. We got the Martin Richard Road Race that's happening this weekend, MRR8K. Um, this is the third year we're, we'll be doing that, and again it's virtual, and that's that's the lay of the land right now. So you have to, you have to, you know, we're, we've been dealt, uh, uh, you know, everybody, uh, uh unfortunate uh, situation here with the pandemic. But as I tell everybody, you just got to try to make best of uh, the situation and, and realize that you're probably not going to raise as much money as you did the year prior but just got to keep going get staying out there being relevant and uh that's that's what we're trying to do
0: and bob can you tell uh, how, how they can how they can uh, donate for the foundation and how they can contribute is there a specific site or instagram or any social media that they can go to
1: yeah, well, everything will be up on the Bruins site um, probably in another week or so, um, you know. So you can just there'll be information on on the Boston Bruins uh, website about the, our our auction. It hasn't been uh, announced yet, so it will uh, the link won't won't be there per se. But you you can check in on uh, BostonBruins.com for more information.
0: Awesome, and you guys do a, a golf tournament every year as well. Uh, for, for yeah, office. we did
1: that, you know, this year, you know, we did tea times, we did that we had less groups. But as as I said, you know, we did we couldn't have a dinner afterwards. So our expenses were down, but our revenues overall were right about the same as the year prior. So that was, that was, that was great. I mean, you know, the tea times, it's, it's everybody seemed to like that, you know, it was spread out, it didn't take as long. Some people like the morning, some people like the afternoon. So um, yeah, it went well.
0: Excellent. And, oh, yeah. Obviously, you talk with Ray and yourself both won the championships the same year. Um, and, you know, you know. let's fast forward it. Ten years later, Bob, you, you're with the Bruins. Uh, you guys beat Vancouver for a Stanley Cup. And uh, yours truly right here, your, co- your host of the show, first hockey game I ever attended in my life was when you guys won it. So uh, that was quite the experience, I'll tell yeah. you. Um, I've always appreciated hockey, but to actually watch it live um, was just unbelievable. But uh, that, can you maybe take us through? You yeah, I mean,
1: that was uh, a, a great run. I mean, if you really dissect that run, it's incredible uh, the ebbs and flow they went through to win. You know, everybody, you know, you, you probably forget that you know, that first series with Montreal went seven games and we lost the first two games at home. And then there was a, it was a concert in Montreal. So we played one game and then there was like three days off. So they went to Lake Placid. They win game three, I think in overtime and um, they win game four to, uh, to tie up the series, win game five and overtime. You know, we lose game six, come back to Game seven, double overtime, you know, just, you know, Michael Ryder diving in the open net and making a save. I mean, it was just incredible. And then to, you know, game seven against Tampa was one of the best hockey games I saw. It was a one-nothing game, just up and down action. And then obviously, you know, the Vancouver series, we lose the first two games and I don't think everybody gave us a chance we come back and just steamrolled them here in Boston and um, actually lost a, a tough game in uh, Vancouver game five and game six. Like, like I, I told a lot of people, Vancouver should have just stayed home and, and rested because they didn't show up. And uh, game seven was incredible. Uh, great experience to be there. I was actually in Vancouver for game five and uh, we, we, we stayed over and um, one of the things I can remember that their, their fans, as we all know, they rioted after game seven, but after game five, it was like, they won the cup. They were just, you know, they were out in the streets going crazy and just saying it was, it was pretty amazing to see the whole the ebbs and flow of that series. But, you know, I, I remember being in the locker room after we won, and I, I was staying over, the team flew back, but I, I stayed, and I remember the, uh, our PR and, and, and hockey ops guy saying, you know, anybody staying, you better be careful, because it's right, it was crazy outside, Um, it took me an hour to get a cab, and it was just crazy, crazy experience, but it was a, you know, being part of, you know, a parade and on a duck boat, it was something I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we've had a few more trips to the finals here and obviously, you know, going and losing a game seven at home uh, a couple of years ago was a, you know, tough pill to swallow for these guys and for all our fans, but you just realize how hard it is to win and, you know, it's uh, something you can't take for granted because, as you said earlier, you know we, my first year pro, I I, I go to the finals. And you think it's going to happen, you know, like every year, but it's, it doesn't. And uh, you know, it's been a it's been a good run here for this this core, and hopefully we can continue it.
0: No, that's special, Bob. You know, obviously, and myself representing eighteen uh, former world champions. 14 with the Patriots four with the Eagles what an experience and as you said I had a couple rook three players in their first year to get a ring right out of the gate uh that doesn't happen often And uh always say extra storage delete make sure you got plenty of uh storage it's almost like you want to hit the pause button that week to really soak everything up um well that's good and your your owners did a remarkable job on the rings I I saw that uh, uh, uh yeah. is it yeah that that was uh you know bob obviously you're you're the you're the dad of three sons um can you maybe talk about a little bit because i know every title that you you have that's probably the most important one and um they're your legacy and uh it seems like your wife and yourself have done a remarkable job and they're you know they they were they're athletes as well um hockey i'm sure thing that yeah. they were push but it it's good to see they found their own identity and they're they're they you know been able to go after their their dreams.
1: Yeah, my my youngest he is actually right now in the British Columbia uh, Hockey League, the Junior League, and, and Trail, British Columbia. It's about three hours north of Spokane, Washington. Uh, they're playing an extended preseason. Uh, he's going to go to UNH next year to play. Uh, you know, he's a big kid. He's about six two, two oh five. You know, and um, My middle boy, uh, he graduated from St. Anselm's two years ago, played lacrosse there, had a great career, ended up going to play another year in London, and and recently got his master's. Uh, He got that certificate in the mail, uh, with distinction, I might add, so real proud of him in finance, so he's looking for a job in the real world, and then my oldest uh, actually ran the marathon on September eleventh. real proud of him, ran for the Bruins Foundation, um, did an incredible job. And, you know, for him, you know, he played hockey and lacrosse growing up and they, they all did all, you know, hockey, lacrosse. They were, you know, really good athletes. But, you know, the one thing that I'm proud of is they're real good, uh, really uh, disciplined. And, you know, I really thank my, my oldest boy for leading the way. You know, he's a great mentor for, for the younger two. And, you know, when, when COVID first happened, we, we had a really, uh, uh, healthy household and we're, we had workouts and he was doing boxing workouts and we all trying to do them with him, and, you know, all protein shakes and everything going. It was, uh, it was good times, but it, it's good to see where they're at now. Um, and, uh, that is, as you said, that's the, the hardest job to do, uh, being a parent. But I think, you know, I thank my wife for, for her guidance over the years with them, because let's face it, she was here a lot, lot, lot more than I was. I was off playing hockey. So, um, they turned out to be great kids and have bright futures ahead of them.
0: That's excellent. And they got two great role models and your wife and Angela are now I got to ask with the name, is she Italian, Bob?
1: He's not. No. Okay. She grew up in in Swampscott, but then I told you, you know, a good portion of her life in Salem. Yep. Um, So yeah. No. Excellent. Excellent.
0: And and that being said, can you maybe just elaborate to our listeners because you got with football, basketball, baseball, hockey, the four majors, soccer's catching, you know, obviously a a lot will debate that if we're over in Europe. But some of the training regiments, because, you know, back in the late 90s when I was, you know, training at Nautilus with you and, you know, Bork was in there and, and Don Sweeney, um, I always admired your lower body workouts because, let's face it, a lot of people go to the gym, the, 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 all about the biceps and the upper body. Yeah. Um, to get out there and really get after it on those hip workouts and, and you know, develop an elasticity in the hips because, you know, you make a living as a hockey player – with your legs. Can you maybe take yeah. our, and that in the nutrition standpoint, Bob was, I know, you know, I'm sure early in your career, nutrition really wasn't not even close to what it is now. No,
1: it, It's funny you say that. Cause I used to thought I was eating good. I was eating chicken and pasta. And I remember uh, we had our physicals one year and the, and the trainer goes, what the heck are you eating? I'm like, why? He's like your cholesterol off <laughs> through the roof. I said, I don't know. I eat chicken and pasta almost, you know, every other day. He's like, well, what are you putting on it? I said, uh, I don't know. Alfredo sauce or whatever. He's like, Jesus, I don't <laughs> know. Okay. So, you know, when you're, when you're burning that many calories, when you're you know, skating every day and working out, you can kind of eat just about whatever you want. Um, but it, it's evolved so much over time. Um, just to see where, uh, you know, it is now. I mean, I remember, you know, when I went to BC, but right after uh, I turned pro, a lot of us were working out at BU with Mike Boyle and then he became our strength coach. Um, and, you know, he, he was great and, you know, obviously learned a lot about what to eat, you know, and transitioned into a lot of uh, fish from the, from the states. I think when we first started, you know, we were eating a lot of meat, for pregame meals and then that that kind of transition to you know pasta rice and um fish and chicken and you know to see my kids now where they are at training and what they eat and you know I never thought we would uh, be eating brussels sprouts as much as we, we would uh, and especially my kids it's kind of funny but um you know it's they they eat uh, real healthy. They they watch what they eat. We kind of watch what we eat now to a degree. Not maybe not as much as the kids, but um, you know it's 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 good to see. And it, it, like I said, you know, having my, my oldest is kind of you know really you know when he was doing his training for the marathon, really watching everything that he that he put in his body. And you know his I think his probably probably mm-hmm. under uh, three or four percent fat. Body fat, you know, he's very lean, and uh, as you are, you know what I'm talking about, Sean. And and met my oldest when he came back from London. You know, he he dropped 20 pounds in the first uh, six weeks he was home, so he really leaned out too and uh, get out of that college life per se, and and had a, a dose of reality, especially with my oldest boy here, and kind of showing him the way. But um, yeah, it's uh it's it's good to see um. You know, the blenders are always going. So good stuff.
0: No, it is. And, that, it, and I'm sure that brought back nostalgia when you had all the boys all together. You know, like oh, yeah.
1: when,
0: when the, what's the uh, age? It's a busy about?
1: household. It's, I'll tell you that. And I, the you know, bill goes through the roof and everything else does. But it's good. Um, it's good to have, uh, well, they're not, they're all over the place now. My oldest is in Southie and my youngest is in British Columbia. So.
0: Yep. But they'll, they'll always know where to come and where, where to yeah. call home and here having four, there's never a dull moment, but uh, I call my wife St. Krista uh, being able to handle the British like yourself, being on the road a lot, uh, whether, you know, playing or now, you know, in the line of work and now, um, but what a, I must say, Bob, for you to be able to make hockey a career, what a cool, you know, how cool was that? I mean,
1: Oh, it's great. I mean, I said it earlier. You dream about it, right? And then you get drafted, but that's still it's still a long ways away. And then you know when you go to your you sign your first contract, then you're like, okay, this is this is a reality. But then you know you you go to your first training camp, and you know you're the last one cut. You go to the minors, and you you're you know you're adjusting to a new way of life, and this is how you're making your living and it takes time i remember i it took me probably four or five weeks to figure out a pro game and and what i needed to do to be successful and and but after that i think i realized that i could play this game and once you get your opportunity you know you you make the most of it and uh hopefully you can have a, a a good long career
0: Exactly, and you played 15 years, and then you now obviously you fo- move forward and connected with the Bruins, staying close to the game that you love. That has taught you a lot of core values, and I'm sure virtues that uh, you've carried and will carry the rest of your life. We like to ask our listeners, uh, excuse me, our guests, uh, just a handful of questions. Bob, uh, favorite uh,
1: movie? Favorite movie? Well, hockey would have to be slap shot. Um, Favorite other movie. Oh, God. Wow. Um, I don't know. I think when maybe younger, you know, all the Godfather movies, you know, yes. Two and three was pretty good. Uh, I wasn't much of a star Wars guy or anything like that. Um, yeah. So I would probably say those, the Godfathers.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Not a bad choice. He, he, I could have guessed that with your love for, for pasta. Um, if you, what about your favorite book, Bob?
1: Favorite book. You know, one of the, when I really got into it, I really liked the firm. I read that book and I really enjoyed the, the twists and turns of it. And I really, uh, I liked uh, Grissom as an author. He was, uh, I read a few of his books. So I'm yeah. Going.
0: I remember seeing that in the movies back in 93, but yeah, great, yeah. good, great book. Good movie. Um, if you've got one meal that you say, all right, you know what, Angela, I I need a cheat meal. What is it going to be?
1: A cheat meal? Yeah. Uh, I'd say either, you know, Chinese or pizza. Uh, you know, usually Sundays we let our guard down. I'd say a little bit and it could be pizza or, or, uh, you know something uh with the uh, low maine or something like that so
0: yeah well we got a great pizza place with one of the co-hosts that I'll let Frank uh, elaborate on and uh are up in Andover uh phenomenal i call him the tom brady of uh, sushi chefs yeah. uh very good um how about uh if you have a spot where you say you know what let's go somewhere if you could choose anywhere in the world where would you want to go uh to visit
1: vacation yeah well, for our 25th anniversary, we took the whole family went to Ireland, and it was—I uh, thought that was a, a, a great trip. I, I know all my boys really enjoyed it, the, the heritage, the history, um, and they—they they talked about, you know, keep going back again. And so I, I would say that. Yeah, my grandparents were from Donegal, so I'll go with that.
0: That's real cool. well I have guys that played over in uh, London and w- I went f- seven years ago to Cliffs of Moore and Bally. did
1: We did a trip. Uh, I stayed in Doolin for two nights, and the guy's name was Patrick Sweeney, who took us on a, a tour right out by O'Connor's pub. and it, we walked. We were within inches on the cliffs but because he's a farmer. And a lot of the farmers gave up some of their land to do a special uh, group tour right along. It was an amazing tour. Um, Yeah. So it was, uh, that was cool. Yeah. And the
0: people, people over there are amazing. I met so many.
1: Great. And the old music, you know, it's just great.
0: It really is. I I definitely would, I'd raise my glass to that. Uh, I know, I know you're, uh, we got a wine connoisseur on, on, that's one of the co-hosts and Frank, uh bob if you are you drinking white or red when what type of uh wine do you like
1: well it's funny i used to only drink like uh caps and i I would drink a little chardonnay my wife's chardonnay she doesn't like uh uh red wine she suffers from migraines but um i went to china about five years ago and it was like 95 and humid and the guy was like and i when the, this guy, he's a big sponsor, ORG, you know, he has his own kind of uh, vineyards in Australia and he had a beautiful wine uh, bar that he brought us to. And, you know, we were drinking some nice Pinots and Cabs And uh, so I've come to enjoy Pinots, but I would say Cabs uh, and Merlots are my go-to.
0: Go-to. Frank, you, you want to uh, touch on that, well, Frank?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it sounds like, Bob, you've, you've, you've got some, uh, pretty profound taste. But as we, as Sean and I have, you know, been drinking together for a while, you know, your, your, your taste evolve, and it only takes a certain circumstance or experience. So you mentioned you went to China, you went to wine bar and you were, you know, you were, uh, exposed to Pinot in a different environment. So that kind of set with you. Yeah. And I think that goes the, for the case for all of us. It depends where we're at, who we're with, that we come across something that we would never consider. Unless right. someone actually puts it in front of us. But the wine industry is constantly evolving. There's so many different styles and there's so much great wine out there to the point where it's so overwhelming. Uh, so many things just get lost. But uh, there's still plenty of great cabs coming out of California, obviously. Merlot's as well. Merlot is having a comeback where Merlot, for some, quite some time, uh, was for some reason, and I, and I, hate to say this, but because of a certain movie, Merlot got a bad rap for the last, who knows, 15 years. And um, now it's becoming trendy again. I'm seeing a lot of producers uh, bringing back Merlot. So these are wines that are hearty, they're warm, they have great flavor, they have great structure. But anything that comes out of Napa, Sonoma, and those parts of the world, you know, you're going to get a great bottle.
1: Yeah, a good friend of mine told me, you know, the, the Duckhorn in particular, their Merlot is much better than their cab.
2: Yeah, they're known for their Merlot, for sure.
1: I, I agree. It was 100%.
2: Yeah, and uh, Duckhorn was one of those wineries, if you ever get to watch some documentaries, they're the ones that really helped place California on the map for global players in the wine industry, like back yeah. 30 years ago. And uh, yeah, and if, for those of you that are, are going to be listening, that when it comes to Duckhorn, it's really about their Merlot, not their cab.
1: I know, yeah.
0: That Frank, thank you for that insight on that. We're going to have to have Bob over at the Cork Stop, uh, cor- which is his, uh, Frank's uh, spot. It's a hidden gem, and uh, we're, we're going to make sure we, we, get, we get you some wine, too. Absolutely. Um, and, and that being said, uh, you know, the one question I like to ask Bob, because you played 15 years professionally. You, you played hockey. When did you start?
1: I started when I was five, but I, I really didn't like it. And I remember uh, the learn to skate coach. I just didn't see eye to eye when I was a little, uh, went crying to mom saying I didn't want to do it. But we uh, had pawns around the house and I kind of just skated on my own with some friends and I went back the following year and uh, never looked back. Nope, you didn't.
0: Well, I'd like to ask you, Bob, best advice to your younger self.
1: Best advice to my younger self. Well, you know it's funny. Um, you know, you talked about legs and stuff like that. I really feel that, uh, you know, I would I would have concentrated even more on my leg strength um, if I if I could do it all over again. I was always pretty strong upper body wise. Uh, I had I had a few injuries earlier on, but I would say I would have uh, focused more on leg strength
0: yeah that's a role I really embraced and I know a lot of people don't like squatting and you know lunges and that's something I loved and uh, I used to get commended on that playing arena ball when I'd go in after practice and you know do three sets of uh, 15 to 20 or 350 you know with the butt on the floor Uh, but that definitely you know helped help with the speed and power Um, but Bob we want to thank you we know you're a busy guy we know we're very unique times taking the time out uh, to to talk about your journey your story which is a, a, a remarkable one 15 years in the professional uh winning a championship in europe you know being being part winning a stanley cup cuz you paved the way for those guys and with the organization and being the proud dad of three um, we wish you continued success good health keep doing what you're doing with the foundation and impacting lives Um, and and being a role model that you are. And uh, we thank you for what you did for the game and what you've done for sports in general, especially being a Massachusetts born and bred. Uh, You're in a special fraternity to be able to carry the baton and pave the way for a lot of younger guys that are on those ponds. And uh, it's it's remarkable. And uh, that being said, I want to thank my co-hosts, Frank and Ari. Uh, Special thanks and shout out to Legendary Foods, And uh, Visionary keto Dog Foods. I got to give J-Lab a shout out for the microphone, which I love. Um, Very, uh, very hip. And uh, I think I sound not as good as Johnny Most, but we're going to work on getting there (laughs) someday. But um, with that being said, remember, you can follow us, No Backing Down Podcast on Instagram. And we are on iHot Radio, Spotify, Anchor, Amazon Podcast. Bob, continue to do great things. And always remember, no Backing down, go Bruins!
1: All right, Sean. Thank uh, you guys. Thank you very much. All go right.
0: get yourself another golf day this week.
1: <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Take Bye-bye.
0: care, Bob. Bye. And well, God bless. Bye bye.
1: Yeah.